Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. A woman in the UK, and I spotted this story and thought it was really interesting, right? A woman in the UK who took abortion pills beyond the 24-week statutory limit in the UK was jailed for 14 months this week. Carla Foster, a 44-year-old mother of three, pleaded guilty to the offence of administering poison with the intent of procuring a miscarriage. She obtained abortion drugs through a telephone consultation service launched early on in the pandemic, which was only intended for ending pregnancies in the first 10 weeks. However, a post-mortem examination found the pregnancy was between 32 and 34 weeks gestation. That is obviously a pregnancy that's, ca- a pregnancy that's capable of independent life. And a post-mortem examination took place because Ms. Foster ended up in having a stillbirth requiring medical attention. This uh, was after she had taken the pills and began to miscarry. The judge sentenced Ms. Foster to 28 months imprisonment and a number of women's and medical organisations have criticised it and called for a repeal of the section of the Act in question, Section 58 of the Offences Against a Person Act 1861. Now, this is the UK. We have similar legislation here, which groups are now calling for to be removed. And the legislation, the part of the Irish legislation which deals with this is if a woman has um, termination of pregnancy outside of the 12 weeks or indeed the 22 weeks, up to 22 weeks in special circumstances, if a doctor fails to adhere to those circumstances, he can be criminalised and go to jail for 14 years. And also, by the way, if the woman tells lies, she can also be criminalised. But they're they're now calling for the decriminalisation. The argument against that is it essentially means there is no criminal act whatsoever in abortion right up to birth if you take away criminalisation completely. So there's two sides of the argument. Anyway, here to discuss this particular case and the complications involved in it is the co-convener of Alliance of Choice uh, for the in, in Northern Ireland, and it's Ellen Ward. And Ellen, or should I say, Emma Campbell, I do apologise. <laughs> Sorry, Emma, I got that completely wrong. Uh, the <laughs> Alliance for Choice in North Ellen Ward, uh, Emma Campbell. Emma, I do, I do apologise for getting that completely wrong. But Ellen, this, or Emma, this is a really interesting case, but also a very sad case, because now we have a mother of two children that's based essentially behind bars. Yeah. I mean, so there's a, a number of mitigating factors about this case as well. Um, the woman tried to um, access in-person treatment and tried to access a scan and get an appointment at a clinic but because it was during COVID, she wasn't able to. And if she had got to the clinic in time, it all would have been like within the law. The second thing is she has three children. So one of them has special needs. Um, she has written them all letters that she did in advance of court, just in case she was criminalised and had to spend time in prison. So there's now those three children um, who are without a mother to look after them. Um, and then finally, she had moved back in with an ex-partner during lockdown because of a lack of childcare. Um, and, you know, I, as someone who was um, as a single parent during COVID with my child, it was difficult enough and I didn't have to live with an ex-partner. So um, I think when we, when we think about time limits, we always think of ourselves and think, would I do that? And we find it much harder. Now, hindsight is a hindsight is a great thing, isn't it? I mean, it really yeah, is. Well, it, when you're in that situation, it's, it's different. To put us, yeah, to put ourselves in the shoes of someone. And um, through my work, I deal with people who want to end their pregnancies daily. And um, 
people who want to not be pregnant and are still pregnant are in awful distress. The World Health Organization launched guidelines at the end of 2022 that said um, any criminal sanctions should be removed in all cases for medical practitioners, for women and for activists, because, of course, the law in Ireland means that activists can't help women access pills. And so quite often activists in the north are still helping people in the south access pills because there's still over 400 people approximately traveling over to England, despite the fact there was a referendum that very clearly supported mm. a woman's right right to choose. For those who are confused about the laws in Ireland versus Northern Ireland they're pretty much the same but the only difference being in Northern Ireland you have a choice to go to mainland UK up to 22 weeks and the the Northern Irish government will pay for that procedure. Is that that the way it works? Okay, well maybe you'll clarify that. um, We had uh, an investigation from CEDAW which is the Women's Committee of the UN which investigated why we didn't have equal access to abortion in Northern Ireland as a part of the UK. Um, And it also examined um, lots of individual cases and we had 13 different um, people who'd gone through the experience to speak to them. And so we now have written into our legislation a complete repeal of those sections you were talking about earlier, 58 and 59 of the Offences Against the Person Act. So we have a decriminalised abortion framework um, in our primary legislation, it's on request up to 12 weeks and then for any medical or mental health reason up to 24 weeks signed off by two doctors. And then after 24 weeks, it's any serious fetal anomaly or any uh, immediate emergency danger to the person carrying the baby. So it's quite a progressive law. It's one of the most progressive laws in Europe. It's even more liberal than the laws, the laws in Ireland. Yes. And, and this is what they're calling. This is what they're calling for in Ireland currently at the moment. There are uh, political parties, well, there's people before Profit and yeah. some other NGOs as well, calling for the laws to be changed. Now, I know the people who are pro-life are not too pleased about that because they said this would happen after five years after a review that the laws be changed to remove the criminalisation. Now, the argument against removing the criminalisation, and I'm going to come back to this case, by the way, in a few minutes and, and talk to you a bit more about that. Yeah. But the argument against the, the removal of criminalisation is is that essentially. If you remove the criminalisation in the south of Ireland, it gives doctors the permission, not that doctors would do it, I'm not suggesting doctors are unprofessional, but that they could essentially uh, perform a termination of pregnancy right up to birth without fear of of criminalisation. So that's if you remove criminalisation. But the flip side of that is with the fear of criminalisation, even if there is an exception for a medical circumstance, as we saw in the case of Savita Halapanavar, doctors are so afraid of being criminalised or struck off that they'll wait till the person is too sick to save. And that's what happens if you introduce criminalisation. That is why both the World Health Organisation and the United Nations have recommended that in all countries and in all cases, criminal sanctions should be removed. And the other thing is, for pro-life people, no one wants them to have an abortion. No one is making anyone who's pro-life have an abortion against their will. That is not the case, and that's not going to happen. So the only people who need or want the abortion are people who can no longer physically, mentally, or financially... And, and, and I appreciate what you're saying. Increase. And, and I do um, appreciate what you're saying, but there are arguments argument during the debates, and we had many of them going back five years ago here on the radio, I remember many of those debates. Yeah. Their argument is, yes, I may never need a, an abortion, I'll never have a termination of pregnancy because I'm pro-life, but I want to live in a society which is free from that as well. They want to live in the same way as, for example, our age of consent know, is different to the UK. 
you know, and people say, well, if you're not going to be having sex at 16 years of age, well, then it's not going to affect you. But it's not the same thing. You want to live in a society. Their argument is, and I'm just giving you their argument, they want to live in a well, society. Well, what about people who want to live in a society where there's no drugs? We don't. Um, if somebody turns up to hospital with an overdose, we expect them to be treated and treated with compassion and treated with humanity, regardless the first point of mm-hmm. thought for a doctor isn't to report them to the police and it shouldn't have been for the doctors in the case of this woman with the stillbirth. Regardless of whether she wanted the abortion or not, it would still have been um, a terrible experience for her because it, was, it wasn't happening the way she wanted. It wasn't happening with the support that she tried to access. This is the other point. There is a it was a, it was a very badly reported story, by the way, because I, re- yeah. I read the story in two different places during the week and I read two different versions. And I'm hoping you can clarify some of it for me. So the judge had quite a lot to say in relation to this. And am I wrong in thinking in one of the articles I read in one of the papers, by the way, it said that she pleaded not guilty. And the other one that said she pleaded guilty. Now, maybe there was different factors or different charges involved. But the judge did at one point, if I'm wrong, maybe you'll correct me, said that if she had have pleaded guilty to one of the charges from the outset, he may not have given her a custodial sentence. Is that Was that correct? I mean, it was correct, but it's a really horrific statement from um, somebody who's in uh, such a high position of authority in the criminal justice system. He's treating her in an incredibly paternalistic way when this woman was routinely failed at multiple junctions by the health system. We currently have a crisis in Ireland and the UK in recruiting midwives and keeping midwives. We have a a crisis in funding public service um, health. And we also have an issue where um, abortion services are underfunded, under-resourced and under-trained. So there is currently a delay in Ireland, there's a delay in England, and so there's so so many people from the north and south using services in England, and there's a three-week delay. Those three weeks could now effectively criminalise someone at no fault of their own because they're trying to access treatment in time, but the services aren't properly resourced and aren't funded correctly. Um, And I don't think that criminalisation solves any of those issues? Well, be, I mean, I, I understand like, bad laws are made to be broken, and I do understand that 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 cliche uh, that bad laws are made to be broken. And I don't believe it was intentionally broken. By the way, I do believe it was she was a victim of some some level of circumstance. But, but the other thing is as well: Are you going to force someone who doesn't want to have a child to have a child and look after that child? Like it just well, seems well, bananas well, to me. Well, I, well, I think I think the majority of people, the majority of people in this country, um. Well, 67% went out and voted in favour of abortion based on the legislation the government were bringing in at the time. Then there was a, No, they didn't well, vote based on the legislation. Well, they, they did. based on the, the recommendations of the Citizens' Assembly, which were much more far-reaching than the legislation okay. that was eventually put into But, but when, you say, when you say if a woman doesn't want to have a child, she, doesn't have to, she shouldn't have to have a child, and, and I completely dis- I agree with you on that. But in saying that, I think most people, even those who are pro-choice and those who voted yes in that particular referendum, would agree there's a limit to how many weeks that abortion should be performed. In other words, for example, I think at the outside why? limit... Why? Why th- is there a limit? And who gets to decide? And we're not asking well, them well, to have an abortion beyond their own personal limit, but we're asking exceptions okay, but to, be would you, to be made for people in desperate circumstances. But, but like Emma, would you agree? There, do you agree there should be any limit on when a termination of pregnancy can be carried out? But, any honestly, limit? Yeah. somebody can have a terrible, sudden medical emergency at 35 weeks 
and an abortion might be the only way. To and save and that, by that the way, if if that's life. to save a woman's life, and by the way, at thirty five weeks the child is viable, right, and can and have independent life. A friend of mine had twins at twenty three weeks, but what? And they were in incubators for I don't know four or five months, and thankfully two very young but children now. Is, but what? I'm, the no, the point I made. No, but but hold on a second. I, let me alive. let me ask you this. Let me reword the question slightly, right? With a healthy pregnancy, do you believe that an abortion could be carried out at thirty-two weeks, or should be carried out okay. at thirty? Let me flip that. What is a healthy pregnancy if the woman is not of mentally sound? I'm not, I'm and asking. No, I see. Yeah, Emma, you're avoiding. I, I, I you know, we'll come back I'm to not the, the question. I'm asking well, you very seriously. I'm, if the, if the is pregnancy, pregnancy is healthy, if the person carrying a pregnancy doesn't want to have it, that's not healthy. That's not wanting to have it doesn't mean it's not a healthy pregnancy. It does because it means the, the person. So is are you saying? Okay, let's say I'm seven months pregnant, and all of a sudden I decide I don't want to go through with this anymore. Shall and be how often do you think I'm, that I don't happens? think that it happens rarely, absolutely. But I'm asking you, but the thing about it is when we have it legislation, legislation happen. is a blunt instrument and it doesn't take into consideration extremes and rarities and it should never and should. Why it shouldn't be legislated okay. for. It shouldn't so, be in the criminal law. It should be okay, regulated back to the like original every question. other health procedure in um, okay. health regulation. And by the way, this, this is not me endorsing somebody going to jail who has three children, by the way, can I just point out, because I do believe the case should have been looked at more clearer. It should have been the, the circumstances, the woman's circumstances during COVID-19, not mm. being able to access you know, vital services should have been looked at, her mental health state should have been looked at, and everything else should be looked at before you implement the law. And I don't know exactly how common law works in the United Kingdom, but I imagine the judge had no choice, by the way, but to convict. He didn't have to give a custodial sentence, but he had no, no choice but to convict. But the law exists. That's not true. That, well, if the no, law exists and she, and she broke the law, case. he must convict. That's the law, isn't it? No, no. There's a similar case that happened in Northern Ireland, and at the time we were under the 1861 Act. And the judge passed a sentence, but he didn't give a custodial sentence. Nobody had to go to prison, and it was a very short sentence. So the judge did everything within his powers to be oh, that's lenient what I'm saying. and merciful. That's what I'm saying. But, he's, what? But, but the judge still had to pass the sentence and he still had to convict but because the law exists. But he someone in prison for longer than Absolutely. many men no, in no. prison for rape. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Emma. What I'm saying is, in this particular case, the judge, for whatever reason, decided to give a custodial sentence. Now, as I said, I read a few different versions of the story. But under Section 58 of the Offences Against the Persons Act, 1861, which still exists, and until such a time it doesn't exist, the judge has no choice that if somebody's found guilty of that crime that they must be convicted. Now, he could give a suspended sentence. He could suspend the sentence in whole. He could give the Probation Act or whatever it happens to be. But getting back to the question I asked you, there still has to be laws. We can't just have a society that's a free-for-all. Why? Well, we do have a society that's a free-for-all. Why? Did you you say why? Yes. I don't so you don't believe there should why. be any laws? I don't believe that there should be criminal laws for abortion. At all. Abortion is exceptionalized as a health issue. Every other, there's loads of other health issues that are just regulated by health regulation and procedures and policies that are adhered to. And we, in all those other cases, we trust the doctors and we trust the patients to do things that are in the best interest. And I think abortion is exceptionalized for very old misogynistic reasons. And if this person... Um, wasn't sent to prison, what exactly? What exact punishment do you think would have okay. been appropriate? Just, just for people who don't know, the, the judge said, okay, uh, Justice Pepper, I, think, I believe it was, I accept, and he said this to the woman, 
I accept that you feel our very deep and genuine remorse for your actions. You are racked by the guilt and have suffered depression. I also accept that you had very deep emotional attachment to your unborn child and that you were plagued by nightmares and flashbacks to seeing your dead child's face. He added that if the woman had pleaded guilty at the earliest opportunity at the magistrate's court, the custodial sentence could have been avoided and suspended. And the court also heard that the woman had made uh, Google searches, including, I need to have an abortion, but I'm past the 24 weeks. And could I go to jail for aborting my 30-week-old baby? And in his sentencing remarks, the judge made reference to Sarah Catt, who was in 2012 was originally sentenced to an eight-year imprisonment after aborting her unborn baby within a, a week of the due date. In other words, a week before the nine months. Although her sentence was reduced to three years after it was appealed and they were looking for a more lenient sentence. So what the judge said is she did this copus mentis. In other words, she knew it was wrong by asking the question to Google because the police obviously investigated it. Now, if it was a case that she was suffering from depression, had no idea what she was doing, somebody had given her the tablets and she'd taken them, I think it would have been a very different situation. If it was a case that she, knowing what she had done was wrong, which she did because she Googled that, and at the earliest opportunity said, hands up, I shouldn't have done this, I'm so sorry, and I plead guilty. I think it would be a different outcome. I think the judge would have convicted her, absolutely, because he has to, that's the law, but would have said, well, okay, I'll suspend the sentence. And that's the, the point I'm trying to make to you. That is, everybody has I a de- very... and unload the point. So okay, well, we all have a very deep understanding of how difficult a pregnancy could be for a woman, and particularly a pregnancy that you, that's an unwanted pregnancy, a pregnancy that you don't particularly okay. want. We all agree, and we all understand how deeply concerning that is and how depressing that can be. And we've heard of postnatal depression, not just during the pregnancy, but after the pregnancy, postpartum, uh, uh, psychosis as well. We've heard of all of those things. And I absolutely empathise with every woman who's gone through that. But that still Emma, doesn't not, mean I'm we can't sure. have laws. I'm not sure equating a Google search with some sort of cold, manipulative planning is well, that's what the necessarily a very good judge. Yeah, we don't have to agree with a sexist judge just because he doesn't understand the pure definition why was the, of why was the judge sexist? to be pregnant. Why was the judge but sexist? The judge is applying the law. Completely, because he's completely misunderstanding the labour and the intense emotional roller coaster that being pregnant when you don't want to be entails. It has a physical side effect. It has a mental side effect. She already had and he took that into consideration. And and he said one with special needs. He might have said that he did, but he clearly and most people. Well, now you're calling the judge a sexist for for implementing the law. Absolutely, I'm calling the judge a sexist for how he has implemented the law. And some of the comments he made about the woman during the judgment are awful and sexist and completely outdated. I mean. When you look at the law, per se, and I come back to this idea that laws are a blunt instrument. I don't agree with many laws. I agree with some laws. I agree with other laws. I disagree with other laws. When it comes to abortion, I'm non-judgmental. I'm genuinely non-judgmental. I would never judge any woman because I am not in her shoes. And I don't know the position she's in, both in a mental or physical state. (laughs) Sorry? (laughs) You feel a butt coming on. (laughs) I've, I've done this work for a long time, and believe me, Niall, people always say I'm not judgmental. Buzz, buzz, I'm coming to the buzz. Okay, and I'm coming to the buzz. Okay, the buzz. We live in a society yeah. where we believe we have morals, and I think Emma, everybody would agree um, that abortion, whether you're pro-choice, 
or pro-life, it's not something you would ever choose to want to do in your life. We all know it's not nice. It's not, it's not something to ever be celebrated. It's a difficult if decision. If I became pregnant tomorrow, I am telling you right now that I would have an abortion because I had and such that's a your horrific choice. pregnancy and a horrific labor. But it's not something that I'm ashamed about. And no, no, nobody's asking you to be ashamed. Choice. No, nobody's asking. And, and by the way, choice. we all have different morals. It's not a moral we choice. all have different morals. Yeah. I get that. But yeah. here's the thing. We still, and I, give, I use the example of the age of consent. In Britain, it's 17. Ireland is 16. Germany, I think it's 15. It's different, different ages in different countries, right? Generally between 15 and 17 years of age, right? But we all have decided in each country that morally we believe that's the right thing to do in our country, right? So we decide based on the morals of society what we believe is right and wrong. In most countries there's a cutoff point of 22 weeks when it comes to abortion or termination of pregnancy because we believe after that point that a baby, an unborn baby, um, has the, the capability of independent life. In other words, can survive outside of the womb with some help, of course, from a hospital, particularly under the 25-week period. So at that point, we believe morally it isn't acceptable. And I think that's the way it is, even in most states in America, that's the way it is. So we've decided that's the cutoff point. So to suggest, or to even, although it doesn't happen, and I'm not throwing in a red herring here, it does happen every now and again in states that allow it in America and places that do allow it, that somebody would have a termination of pregnancy after, say, I don't know, four months or five months, um, or six months, so now what would it be, six months? You know, to suggest that should be legal, even to pro-choice people or people who voted yes, that would horrify them, a lot of them. Well, it's just as well you won't need an abortion then, Niall. The point is, whenever we criminalise abortion or whenever we underfund services and fail to provide the correct amount of staff or training for abortion services, then we are forcing people to make those decisions later in their pregnancies. And that is, this case in court was a very, very clear demonstration of someone who was underserved by the medical establishment and underserved by the services that were available. And I accept that. And at that particular time, uh, it was during COVID. Sure, people couldn't even get to see a GP, for God's sake. No, nobody was doing face-to-face anymore. It was phone calls. It was video calls. It was Zoom. Services weren't available. Women weren't even getting breast screening. Cervical screening wasn't even happening. All those things were put on hold, sadly, which, by the way, will cost lives in the end. And we all know that. And this woman was in a terrible position. And I understand the position she was in. And you can call the judge sexist if you want. But... In saying that, I don't believe she should have went to jail for three years, by the way. I, I agree with you on that. I think we both agree on that, particularly the fact that she has two young children. Although I did see somebody comment on the line that no woman should ever be put in jail if she has children. And I went, okay, I don't think that's a very fair comment. You mean for any crime? Um, uh, the woman is not a danger to society, clearly. She could have been given the Probation Act, community service, anything at all, apart from a custodial sentence. And I understand the point you're making in relation to that. But changing the law because of that, or because of that particular case. think maybe some mental, mental health help would have been the first. Say that again. I think, um, I think there's been a huge campaign in Great Britain already to try and decriminalise the law, even before the law was decriminalised in Northern Ireland. And it was to avoid things like this happening. It was to avoid... Um, this woman being arrested in such clearly painful circumstances. I think as well, decriminalisation doesn't mean the free-for-all that you and maybe other people imagine because there are a load of regulations around any health procedure 
and around the guidelines that doctors have to operate under. So that's already in place. But I do think what's really important and what's really clear to me from this case is that if we keep underfunding, undertraining and under-resourcing abortion services, more cases like this will happen. And I think it's really important, given that there's the three-year legislation review in Ireland happening at the minute, that we understand that delaying people any unnecessary time pushes them into awful circumstances and pushes them into places that they don't need to go. We regularly get phone calls from people based in the 26 counties asking if they can come up to Belfast for an abortion because they can't afford to travel to England or maybe they don't have um, the right passport and they can't get into England. And so now people are going to Spain and the Netherlands and it's just a really unfair and untenable situation. And that's because of criminalisation of doctors. And and in this particular case, by the way, I I know that there was no sign that the fetus took any independent breath, according to the coroner's report. Uh, The judge also said there was no sentencing guidelines for the offence, but the maximum sentence was life in prison, which he could have imposed, by the way, which he certainly didn't. I know you would have called him a a major sexist at that point. Uh, The defence, Barry White, said the woman needed family and support rather than jail and term. And, And I couldn't disagree with that. She did need support and she does need support. But again, I said to you, Leo Varadkar only said going back about five weeks ago here in Ireland when they talked about changing the law here to get rid of the three-day cooling-off period to to extend it to maybe possibly 22 weeks, similar to the United Kingdom, and decriminalising, he said he would be uncomfortable to change the law. And he based that on the fact that the Irish people were asked to go to the polls for the abortion referendum to repeal the Eighth Amendment and remove it from the Constitution based on the legislation the government were introducing. And that was being made very clear at the time. So to review it and change you know, it so quickly... A yes or no. Well, you're uh, saying, you're really saying that, Emma, but I led the debate all the way through. No, I spoke to politicians and politicians assured people not, that was the legislation. Listen, I was involved in repeals quite heavily myself. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure you were, Emma. <laughs> um, I think it's really disingenuous of Leo, and I'm terribly, I'm terribly unimpressed um, that he feels uncomfortable. They were the words he used three weeks ago, uncomfortable. uncomfortable. But yeah. how does he think the 400 families he has to travel over to England well, I mean, yeah. here's here's an example exactly. of what I'm talking so about. Say the three day. Let's 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 say let's say the three day cooling off period. That I'm sure you don't agree with. How does he feel about people having to? It's not based on any medical evidence. They put it in to make the tarnished happy. That's it. But you do realise, and the statistics will show that in the last five years since abortion was legal in Ireland, the three day cooling off period. There has been, I think it was 4,000 women who didn't come back for the second appointment. Now, many of those women may have had a miscarriage. Many may not have been pregnant at all. Uh, I may have thought they were pregnant. But many of those may have reconsidered. So for the people who are pro-life, their argument is, well, maybe that's 2,000 babies saved. And and that's the way they look at it. It gives people a chance to, to I suppose, have a quick look at their own thoughts and think, is, am I doing the right thing? Is this really what I want to do? It's not a bad idea. It's not the worst idea in the world, is it? They also surveyed women and asked... They also... The Unpacked survey, which interviewed um, hundreds of women, also found that no one found any value in the three-day cooling-off period. And do you think that people in Great Britain or Northern Ireland who turn up and then change their mind during the process don't get to just go home and not go through with abortion? Of course they do. Doctors Mm. and midwives and nurse-led care, they're smart enough and well-trained enough to know if somebody's really decided on it or somebody hasn't. Quite often people will go away and think about it, but those same people might come back a few weeks later. 
The other thing is people um, discover that they're pregnant a lot earlier than they used to. And what used to happen in England was that you would only be allowed to have your appointment after um, eight weeks because it would be so hard to see um, to see the fetus for an abortion and because so many pregnancies end in a miscarriage before eight weeks anyway. So there's loads of factors in there. And I just really want to reiterate, because I have done a lot of work on this subject, not only have I helped women directly, but I'm also a research associate with Trinity College and Ulster University on the experiences of people um, using the law in both North and South. And the three-day wait is not based on any medical evidence, not any best practice, no recommendations by any medical bodies anywhere across the world, no human rights um, bodies, and the World Health Organization, none of them recommend any waiting time or any... And, and maybe, you know what, Emma, maybe you're right. Maybe it was popped in there by Simon Coveney, as you mentioned, he said it, to appease the Irish voters at the time. But during that time, and I was obviously doing this particular show, and I was doing it the daytime show on the radio as well, where we take callers on, and it is one of those debates in all my years of doing talk radio that literally divides people down the middle, right? It, it is something that morally divides people constantly all the time. And many people who sat on the sidelines or who were in the middle and maybe couldn't decide how to vote on this, they were told about a woman who may be raped, a woman who was going through a fatal fetal abnormality, and all of those things to get empathy and sympathy and understanding, and we, we all did. And many of those people were encouraged to vote yes by the government telling them and all the political parties and all the NGOs saying, listen, if you vote yes, this is the legislation we're going to bring in. It won't be past 12 weeks. We'll throw in the little caveat of the three-day waiting period and it'll be only up to 22 weeks in special circumstances as, as, uh, as assured by a qualified doctor. And that was what they were promised. So to, to review that so soon, I think for a lot of those people would be very disappointing. The review was also promised. The review was also promised, and it was the review was based on what services work for women, and the three-day wait doesn't. The cut-off at twelve weeks doesn't. The sending people to England clearly doesn't work. So it's not too soon. The review actually was supposed to be slightly earlier, as far as I can remember. And the exit polls showed that when they interviewed most people who voted yes, they voted yes based on a woman's choice and a woman's choice. Absolutely. So any of this, um, so we often also get people phoning us. From the south, who who don't understand how restrictive the law still is in the south, and are surprised and a little bit horrified to find out how difficult it is to access an abortion once you're close to the twelve weeks or after. See, Emma, I think we agree on many things because we're both good people, but I think there is one thing that we will inherently disagree on. Nation uh, that abortion is a problem that has been solved in North in Ireland, but it's not. No, 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 no. And what I'm saying is we agree on many things and some things we disagree on. And what I will disagree with you on is I don't think it should be an open-ended piece of legislation whereby anybody can have a termination of pregnancy at any point during the pregnancy. I believe there must be a law and a cut-off point somewhere, morally. Maybe you don't. Well, I can tell you from my own personal experience that 99% of people know exactly whether they want to continue a pregnancy or not the minute they find out they're pregnant. Yes, I would agree. Now, there are a couple of people who um, can't decide because of life circumstances, but the majority of people know even before they're pregnant or not, even if they're worrying about what, what the pregnancy test is going to say, no. So we're talking about the tiniest. This, this case, and I want to repeat this again, this case would never have happened with this woman in England if the services were in place and she had access to the services and medical support that she needed. It would never have happened. She would have seen someone by 22 weeks 
but she couldn't get an appointment. And because of that, she took the matter into her own hands, whether people agree with that or not. And that is why she's in prison, because of the failure of the support of the medical services that were available. I, I'm looking... So I think the judge punishing her is maybe missing a trick, and maybe they should be looking to the services. Well, and, I, I don't think the judge was punishing her. I think the judge was convicting her under the law, which is what a judge is, what's his job. Okay, but, but in saying that, I, I'm looking at the, the texts and WhatsApps that are coming in at the moment, Emma. And you can imagine some people not very happy with some of the comments you're making. Some people not happy with the comments that I'm making, by the way, can I point out? So we are still in a situation, even though we have legalized uh, well, abortion in Ireland, where, where people are still divided. Have to have an abortion. So. But, but, pe- but people are still divided. And even those who have children. I mean, I'm looking here at one fella, although yeah, I didn't know why he has to text in on behalf of his wife. My wife is steaming listening to this. So I don't, I don't, I don't know why he has to text on behalf of his wife. Maybe he's a sexist as well. Um, uh, somebody else says, no, I completely understand what Emma is saying, but I do agree with you. I do believe there has to be a cutoff point. Maybe 22 weeks, similar to the UK, would be a, a, an acceptable cutoff point, but certainly no further than that. Somebody says, I'm happy with the 12 weeks. That was the reason I voted yes. Anything past that, I'll be asking them to go back to the polls. Oh, okay. Um, definitely shouldn't be any abortion, says somebody. It's sick. Well, that person obviously doesn't agree but with abortion none at all. Of these people have ever been... Oh. Well, you don't know that. <laughs> You're, well, you don't know that. Yeah. Um, I don't know these I mean, people who are texting in. The thing is here that what the, the thing is when people are thinking about this, they're putting themselves in the position of the person and saying, "I wouldn't want to do that," but nobody is asking them to do that, and nobody wishes for them to be in the difficult and tragic circumstances that this woman was in. Yeah, yeah. and the problem with having a cutoff period like twenty-two weeks is, um, first of all. Scans aren't 100% accurate, so there's a, like a, a, an inaccuracy of two to four weeks, depending on the pregnancy, depending on the yeah, growth of the pregnancy and the woman mm. and all the rest of it. The other thing is, every time an exception is made for an, il- an illness or a genetic condition or whatever, another one crops up and another unusual circumstance crops up. Or um, because of uh, the lack of medical staff at the minute, there's sometimes an 11-week delay between the first diagnostic scan and the second diagnostic scan. So when all these different factors play in together, then somebody who can only go and get most diagnostic uh, scans at 20 weeks are given at 20 weeks because if it's any earlier, you can't see everything that might possibly be going wrong. And if it's any later, it's too close to what the legal cutoff point. So oh, the let, let me have it okay. at 20 weeks is to try and get people help in exactly the amount of right, the amount right of time. Okay, well, let, let me just read this out to you, okay? Please don't read out my name. Uh, mother of a 25-year-old baby. Well, it's a very old baby. Uh, when there were, well, there was no abortion and I had a severe traumatic pregnancy. I still have PTSD from it. Three days is essential. And I voted for the 12 weeks, by which time most women know they're pregnant. Bar fatal fetal abnormalities. But I won't listen to someone claiming she speaks for a suicidal pregnancy uh, that should have no limits if she's a researcher on this, please ask for interviewees because I will put my hand up straight away. Well, I just read that out there for you. Uh, well, sorry, Emma, somebody else. But everybody is different and not know, everybody will react in the same way as this particular woman. Yeah, I know. Final yeah. question, Emma. Somebody, by the way, texted in. I don't know whether it's relevant or not, but maybe they're trying to figure out what goes through the mind of somebody um, who is a campaigner for the Alliance for Choice. And they says, Niall... Uh, could you ask that lady, does she agree with removing the word woman in language? 
why would I agree with women? I am a woman. Why would I? Okay. Listen, I am all for um, inclusive language, and I will say pre- pregnant people because all sorts of people can get pregnant, but I have no idea why anyone would want to remove the word woman from our language. Emma, listen, it's been lovely talking to you. Thank you very much. We may not agree on everything. We do agree on some things, but it is wonderful talking to you. And by the way, there is a message here. I fully agree with Emma, and I thank you, Niall, for having her actually on the air. Many people wouldn't dare. All right, listen, thank you very much indeed, Emma, and I appreciate you coming on the air. <laughs> Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Ireland's classic hit.